I kind of go go back to the same thing. Uh, the best advice I ever got by someone was, just remember, they used to do this shit in caves. We're okay. We're, it's going to be okay. the Small Scale Life Podcast. I'm your host, Tom, and I'm back with another great interview with a friend of mine from Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, there, guy. You know there. You betcha. So Adam, Rick, and I have been online friends for a number of years. We got to know each other during the time of COVID when I made a couple trips to the Milwaukee area, and we got together at a couple breweries. We spent time telling stories while enjoying some of Wisconsin's amber goodness. Well, it was time to have Adam on the show. He's got a lot going on. So let's meet Adam Rick. Adam is a homesteader for eight years. He's located in Ottawa, Wisconsin, near the Milwaukee area, with his wife and two children. We connected through Facebook, probably the Survival Podcast, one of the uh, one of those state TSP groups. And we share a lot more in common than just being handsome, being Wisconsinites, and having a homestead. We'll cover those connections in the next episode of the Small Scale Life Podcast. It really is amazing how small the world is. Two years ago, Adam got an opportunity to be a partner in and salesman for an Amish co-op. This co-op is beyond a grass-fed farm. They are focusing on using principles and protocols of regenerative agriculture to raise chicken, pork, and cows. Adam and his Amish partners are building soil on tired, played-out farm fields one animal at a time. It's been a slow and steady project bringing this co-op into reality. Adam talks about how the Amish do things in this episode. He just alludes to a little bit. We're going to do another show on that whole topic in another day. He said it's like herding cats at times, and I imagine that any co-op will have this kind of thing happening. At the time of the recording, Adam said things would accelerate in the spring of 2022. Well, how about accelerating plans now? This week, I got a text from Adam, and Adam also put it on his Instagram account and TikTok, that he was laid off from his position. After many discussions, Adam's wife told him to push on the grass-fed farm business and make their living off the homestead. That is amazing. Amazing woman. After all, it is what Adam loves, and maybe, just maybe, Odin or the old gods is giving Adam a strong shove to get this business going and growing. Adam is part of our community, of my community. I want to help him out. This is what we do here at Small Scale Life. So here we go. We are going to buy meat from him. Now I'm happy to announce a deal for you all. You can now buy quality grass-fed meat raised using regenerative agriculture protocols and principles at the following site, amodernfrontier.com. Again, amodernfrontier.com. He's got some meat boxes currently for sale. The first is a butcher's dozen ground beef. That's 13 pounds of grass-fed beef packed in one-pound packages. So you can go to the site and check that out. And then his second box is an eighth grass-fed beef box. And so what's in that? So he's got two 12-ounce ribeye steaks, two 6-ounce New York strip steaks, one, one a little over one-pound sirloin steak, one a little over a pound round steak, Two eight-ounce stew meats, one nine-ounce filet mignon, one two and a quarter-pound rump or sirloin tip roast, one two and a quarter-pound chuck roast, eight one-pound packages ground beef patties, 
And then six uh, one-pound packages of beef wieners and then 10 one-pound packages of ground beef. So that's approximately 35 to 37 pounds per box. And here's the deal. So you can use code SMALL, S-M-A-L-L, all in caps, and you will get 25 bucks off. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. So check the website. You can chat with Adam on the site if you have any questions, or you can email him at modernfrontier at gmail.com. You can also follow him on TikTok, and he's got an Instagram, and he's pretty busy on those. So check him out. And for full disclosure, because I want you to know, this is not an affiliate for me or for Small Scale Life. I want to help a friend get his business going. I receive no payments or percentages from any sales. I'm just helping a friend out. The timing was perfect. I probably should have posted this podcast a while ago, but for some reason, it just now is the time. And the timing is actually perfect with everything that's gone on. This is just in time, sir. Go check that out and maybe buy some meat for Adam. I think that'd be great. So let's talk about our Hollow Heroes. We continue our gratitude practice here at Small Scale Life Podcast. As I've said it before, it's hard to have a bad day when you start your day with gratitude. And I've got a lot to be thankful for this week. Certainly, I am very thankful that I made it up to my destination here in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. That's just east of Fargo for y'all there. It was some of the worst driving conditions I've ever experienced. Glaze ice, near whiteout conditions, 50 mile an hour winds, uh, sub-zero temperatures. I'm I'm glad. I'm so grateful I made it here safe and sound. And I have a warm hotel room with doors that shut and a heater that works and it has Wi-Fi. It's awesome. Very grateful that I made it through the deadly driving conditions and weather here. Also, I'm very grateful for the wonderful sun dog that we experienced today. It was out all day long. The, the shards of ice in the atmosphere, it just made magical, a magical sun dog. So I've got that on Instagram and on Facebook and I'll include a picture here on the smallscalelife.com. Also, wanted to thank Adam Rick for being a great guest on Small Scale Life Podcast. Man, we talked for almost three hours when we did this recording. So there's several different episodes where Adam's going to be featured. We went down a lot of different rabbit holes. And I hope you take a chance and buy some meat from Adam. I think that'd be great. I uh, also want to thank Greg Burns for all his hillbilly wisdom that just just seems to show up all the time. You know, Julie was looking at me the other day and she just spouts a Greg Burnsism, And I'm like, What? Where is this coming from? But I'm also grateful that Greg is coming back on the show to catch up with us. We've had a lot of change, and he's had a lot of change. It'd be great to talk about his homestead, his farmstead, and the bees, always the bees. So it's a good thing. Also, Brian Leskovich from the Lots Project and Fireside Freedom Podcast for being a great guest on the Small Scale Life Podcast. Also wanted to thank him for organizing the Fireside Freedom Podcast. That has been a really fun project so far. It's great meeting these other content creators and getting together and just talking. It's so cool. It's like, it really is like we're sitting around a campfire and we're just kind of talking and going through stuff. And uh, the beautiful thing is, too, I mean, I've, ha- I've heard podcasts with five, eight different people on it, or even three sometimes. And people are talking over each other all the time. And it really doesn't happen. And we just have a good time. And and a, we laugh a little bit. And maybe I do a little impression of someone. You know, you just got to see it. Got to see it and understand what I'm doing, <laughs> what we're doing. So episode two is out. It's about uh, starting prepping. And uh, check that out. And you should listen to it. You really should. Another call to action. So we got two calls to action. Buy meat and listen to episode two. Also, Toolman Tim Cook from the Toolman Tim's Workshop for being understanding on Monday. I had to reschedule our interview because of a massive pantry project that happened at Driftless Oaks Farm. 
whew, I was neck deep in that project and it's done. It's really awesome. We are loving it. Of course, I got it done. And then Tuesday I had to hit the road. So I haven't really seen it in all its glory since Jewel's been working on it. But she's had uh, some pictures on the Driftless Oaks Farm Instagram page. So you want to check that out if you're on Instagram. So thanks, Tim, for being great, being a great host last night on episode two of Fireside Freedom as well. And finally, I'd like to thank all of you. Thanks for hanging in in there with us and coming back to listen to the show. There are so many choices out there. I'm glad you've come back to listen to our little show. I'll continue to bring on good guests and we'll have some good topics in the future as well. So if you want to be on the show, please reach out to me at realsmallscalelife at gmail.com. Now, let's get into the main topic of today's show, a grass-fed farm business with Adam Rick. Whatever you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. <laughs> Perfect. That's what I like to hear. Oh, welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. I'm your host, Tom. And today I have a very interesting fella. He's an interesting fella from Wisconsin there, guy, you know. So Adam Rick, welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. Who are you? And say hello. Probably well, in the other way around, but yeah. Hey guys, how's it going? Thanks for having me on here, Tom. Um, I'm just an average Joe that slowly learns how to uh, be more and more self-sufficient, still learning, always looking to learn more. And I uh, I, I somehow uh, stumbled upon you, I don't know, what, six, seven years ago, and you and I started talking, and before you know it, all of a sudden we... Well, we had more in common than what, what we even thought we had in common. Right. Um, me personally, so I live out in southeastern Wisconsin in a little town called Ottawa. I run a small eight-acre uh, farm here, uh, mostly just grass-fed beef. I do some chickens. Um, haven't really done uh, much for pigs or anything else. I've done some sheep and just a few different animals. I experiment with different kinds of gardening methods, um, different uh, permaculture methods of growing stuff and found it really, uh, really successful. Other than that, yeah, I just, uh, I guess, I'm not sure where I started getting into homesteading. I think it's just always somehow always been in my blood one way or another. You know, I usually find that tomatoes are the gateway drug to homesteading and gardening, at least to gardening. Homesteading might be a little different, but what was your first thing you grew or raised or what was the first, what got you, what was the first thing that kind of got you into this? Maybe your parents had something going on or. So way back in the day, I was, the story goes, uh, I was four years old. I woke up one morning, my parents were recently divorced and my dad wasn't supporting my mom at all. My mom was very alone. So what she, she didn't have much. So I woke up and she was frying an egg. I asked my mom for that, uh, for an egg. And she gave me that egg and she started crying. I wondered why she was crying. Then I found out later on, you know, this is all just memories as a four-year-old. Found out later on that that was the last egg that she had. She had nothing else in the house really to to really uh, give her any sort of nourishment. So uh, she called up her grandma, uh, my great grandma, uh, who raised a whole family and then some during the Great Depression. She goes, Grandma, how do I do this? How can I support my family? She goes, Cindy, it's not that hard. 
just go out to your garden. You have a garden, right? And my mom goes, no, I don't have a garden. But my great grandma was just like, how do you expect to feed anyone if you don't have a garden? <laughs> well, uh, she called up the neighbor, the neighbor, Dorothy Adams. Uh, Dorothy Adams is a very interesting character in her, of herself. She was in her 80s. This was probably back eight, mid 80s, 86, 87. She was in her 80s, maybe 90s. And she was actually in a nurse in World War One. Wow. She had all these interesting things Amazing. I remember. Yeah. From from her, uh, all these different antidotes and uh, ways to heal people. Sure. But yeah, my, uh, she, uh, my grandma knew Dorothy Adams. Dorothy Adams loaned my mom $10. My grandma paid her back. And my mom put me in a red uh, rider um, or radio flyer red wagon, pulled me over a mile to the nearest greenhouse. By the way, this is on the north side of Milwaukee at the time. Sure, sure. So we uh, we drove, uh, We I rode all the way over there. My mom got a bunch of plants, turned around. I walked all the way back as a four-year-old with my mom pulling all these plants. Then she borrowed a shovel from one of the neighbors and she dug up the entire backyard with a shovel. Wow planted everything. And that's, we, we ate a lot of good vegetables that year. So we, it, it was a hard year, but I think we all grew as people that year, uh, even as a four-year-old, you know, that kind of hit me hard. And that memory has always kind of gone, Hey, you know what? There's always something you can do for yourself, take things into your own hands. And I guess that kind of got me into homesteading. Yeah. I mean, when you told me that story, when we were last together, I mean, it was like, holy smokes. I mean, can you imagine the fear of that's it? I'm on my own here and this is my last egg and, and how are we going to do this? I mean, there's been times when Jules and I got through with Christmas and this was just a, about seven years ago. We got through Christmas and we're renting a place and, and we were looking at our checking account and we're like, Hmm, there's more month here than we have money. So how are we going to do this? And it's really, it can be really scary, you know? And at that point you decide we're never going to be here again. This is a tipping, we call it a tipping point, right? Where something big happens and you're like, things have to change. We cannot do the same thing again. We can't be here again. We've got to be ready for that. And it sounds like that was imprinted in your brain at that time. Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, it, you have to have a little bit of pain, a little bit of hurts, in order for it to be real, in order for you to want to fix something, mm-hmm. um, to be responsible for something. Right. Yeah. Iron sharpens iron. Uh, you don't get stronger without struggling with weight or with exercise. Um, you don't lose lose weight by just sitting on the couch and eating chips, right? You got to actually do something and change, or it's just you're repeating the same error over and over and over again, for sure. I think the other interesting part of this story is the community aspect of it. I mean, great grandma knew the neighbor lady who was nurse from World War One. They had a good enough relationship where, hey, I'm good for this. Get start. Let's help these people get moving. Get help my family get moving. And it was it was so cool that they knew who to call and they knew who to act, what to do and who to act. And then borrow a shovel. You know, here here's my shovel. You know, keep the shovel. Just you know, live. You know, or or get going. I mean, I think that's a really cool aspect of the story too. And sadly, I think we're missing that in our modern culture, just with, we seem to be more connected with everybody with, uh, with these little things, but we're, we're really not 
connected like that anymore. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Cell phones are, I mean, they're a great tool, but you really need to have community. You need to have community to a point where you know a little bit of each other's business um, and you, you can, you know, to sit there enough to say, Hey, do you need a hand? Do you, what can I do to help you out? Right. Cause that's one of the things, you know, it's great to have a good community online on Facebook. Hey, I'm part of this homesteading community on Facebook and they can give you all this advice, but when it comes down to it, you sometimes you need someone right there to give you a hand. And then you need someone else to sit there and say, to know you enough to say, Hey, dumbass, <laughs> move, do something. Yeah. Or you're doing it all wrong. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. You should probably have a fence around the chicken coop. If the foxes are eating all your chickens, just yeah. saying, right. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's one way to do it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, for instance, I have a friend right now that he really wants to get into uh, regenerative ranching, yeah. uh, moving cows like I do, but, uh, he, he doesn't know what, he doesn't know much about what he's doing. And then he goes out and he buys, I think he's up to 15 cows right now. And I'm, I'm like, have you ever raised any sort of cattle before? He goes, no, Uh-oh. I go, these are expensive, uh, animals, you know, you're right. spending almost two grand per animal. Right. You, you got to, take a second, breathe, uh, for, uh, you know, he goes, but I want to do this. I'm like, but you need to know what you're doing. This is an awfully expensive experiment. Right. Start with a couple. I mean, my friend, Greg Burns from Ohio, he's with contrary farmstead and the contrary beekeepers. He's, but he he always tells me, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Right. We seem to, it's like Don Quixote going after the big windmill with, with the shield and the the lance. And I'm, I'm going to slay the dragon. And oh crap, right? And when I started, so I uh, I had experience. A good friend of mine across the street, he's the one that got me into regenerative farming. He had forty acres. He ran about fifty head of cattle on that forty acres, and he was doing great. I his mm-hmm. his beef was a very premium beef. And then uh, I was helping him out for about four years, and then one day, sadly. 42 years old, he just, uh, he had a UTI and it went septic and it Mm. it killed him. It stopped his heart. Wow. Uh, Five kids at home. So uh, his oldest son uh, came to me and said, hey, grandpa wants to get rid of all the cows. So, you know, I I was helping out for a few weeks until grandpa got rid of all the cows. But he goes, hey, I want to keep a couple of them. Can I keep them over at your house? Mm-hmm. Like, and his grandpa was totally fine with that. And uh, his grandpa's become a very good friend of mine and cool. a very big support to me uh, with the, all of his knowledge and experience. Well, then he, uh, so I ended up having a little, uh, a small farm, a, a cow and a calf over at my house. And uh, one Thing led to another now it's uh turned into a full-blown business uh <laughs> um, but yeah it's it's a shame that uh that happens you know you, you yeah 42 years old and you don't, you don't know when your last day is so make mm. the best of your life but i then realized how much i really knew and uh how much i have learned from someone else and that's 
really uh, kind of helps motivate me to sit there and teach other people and help other people do the same thing, do something similar to what I'm doing also. Right, right. And I think that's so important. That's another thing that Greg talked about. See, we did a podcast a couple of years ago. It was Homesteading 101. My buddy, Mr. Tactical Jay and I were all excited because we're buying our properties, right? And uh, actually didn't end up buying the property I thought I was going to get. But anyway, we were all excited about buying these properties and we had all these plans and schemes, right? It's kind of like the Joker. I've got schemes. You're a schemer. And Greg was like, well, check yourself before you wreck yourself and get a mentor. That's probably the best thing you can do because they're going to they're going to shorten that time. They're going to save you from a lot of heartache and mistakes. And it sounds like there's been some people in your life, in your life that have been good mentors for you as well. And you've been learning on the fly. <laughs> a little bit of both. I think yeah. that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think with try, I, you know, trying to find a mentor, uh, most people aren't very like giving yeah. when it comes to being a mentor. Like they're busy enough. So the right. best way, way to be a uh, to find a mentor is be a helper. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. get in there and help the other person right. that knows what they're doing. You don't need, you know, I didn't need to have, have the cows to learn what I was doing. He he had all the risk. All I was doing was out going out there helping, and little by little, I became better and better and more comfortable with them. And um, now I have uh, my own cattle and starting my own meat business and everything else. So it's uh, a lot of opportunities have come down my, my uh, road just because I was willing to help out somebody else first. Right. Right. Yep. My buddy, Dan Bokris over in Ohio, he was from Red Dog Ranch. He did the same thing. He was helping out the neighbor across the street who had a bunch of cattle. And I think he was doing, if I remember right, it's been a couple of years, but he actually was like a hand over there and was helping out on a daily basis. He quit his job inspecting pipeline stuff and he just threw himself into it and uh, it worked out really well for him. Now he's doing bees too. He and Greg are both doing bees. So they're, they're all bee crazy, but, um, but yeah, being the helper, that's a good one. You know, I mean, everybody needs a help and everybody needs a hand, especially these days where you can't even find good help. I mean, gee whiz, you can pay them all they want, but nobody's around. So yeah, helping out is a good thing. It's, it's givers and takers, right? And sometimes you have to give before you get gift for a gift, if you will. Absolutely. Yeah. Things, uh, things will work out if you're willing, you have to be the first one to want to give something because of very, you know, and take the risk, you know, it's a possibility that that person's not going to, is just going to take advantage of you. And then you just walk away. It's not a big deal. Right. Right. Uh, it's always going to be some sort of learning experience, but yeah, you got to get it, get in there. You got to kind of learn. Yeah. And I think even for us moving out to the farm now, we're finding that as well. I mean, people are doing their own thing. They're real busy. They're in their houses and and the houses are further spaced apart. So it's not like um, the other places I just came from in the city where it was, I can spill my beer out the door and it's going to go right in the window of the neighbor, right? You actually have to go down the road a piece and then knock on the door and maybe bring some cookies to them. I don't know if they're going to really come to us. So we're finding that out too, being out in the country. And this is a, this is a first for us. We've lived in the urban core and the suburbs and now country, it's a little different. So people are all, they're busy, right? So you're going to have to go meet them where they're at. Yeah. It's uh, I remember first moving out here. I always wanted to live out in the country, even when I was a little boy. And the way I describe it is when I lived in the city, I didn't know who my neighbors were. I could smell what they were uh, cooking. 
I or smoking in my old neighborhood, smoking. Yeah, yeah smoking. <laughs> you know, uh, I had a 95 year old lady next door. So, you know, she was uh, rather into that smoking stuff. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I could, I heard the uh, some of my neighbors flushing their toilets for no oh, wow. You know, but I didn't know. I I hardly even know who they were. Yeah. You know, I maybe I knew their name just because I looked at a piece of their mail that was wrongly delivered to my address. But I then uh, come out here and I know my neighbors better. Uh, a lot of my neighbors are, are a friend of mine. I know them rather well. And I have, you know, we have tree lines be, between us, you know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's a lot nicer, a lot more community orientated because you're a little more reliant on each other. You know, I can't just, it's uh 30 minutes to go, go to the pick and save, you know, right. um, it's not right down the road. Mm-hmm. We found that out, that reality out. Yeah. Yep. And that's what, that's one of the biggest things is uh, when you screw up and you got to go to the hardware store, it's like, oh, Christ. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> or I was just there. I just got the thing. It's the wrong size. Uh, yes, I know the yeah. I feel the pain. Yeah, totally. Totally. So how long have you lived there on your property? We've lived out here for uh, uh just over eight years now. Oh wow. Okay. Okay. So it's gonna take a little while and and uh it's gonna take some effort for sure. So and and we just moved from an apartment and we probably had, I don't know, 300 people in this place. I didn't know. And we had people like right across the hall, right next to us. Yeah. I don't know who they were. Never talked to them. Never talked to them. Even when I moved out, never talked to them. I didn't know a soul in that apartment building. Not a one. Nope. Nope. But I already know a few people here on the street and we've had a lot of people coming out to the farm, which is cool. I mean, I have had more visitors to the farm than we had in like seven years in, in uh, St. Louis park and North Minneapolis and Invergrove Heights in three places three places I've had more people at the farm. So that's really cool. That's exciting to us too. So yeah, we are totally going to build cool. community. Yeah. We're going to totally build community where we're at. We're are totally invested in that. Uh, Jules has been meeting people. I mean, we're in for the long haul, so it's great. I mean, we know that the one neighbor we know we bought beef and pork from him. He's a, uh, he's the butcher in the next town over and uh, it's a family business, really nice folks. And uh, we're going to really start to dig in and meet more people now that it's going to settle down a little bit right after the holidays. So everybody's going to be snowed in. So we know where they are. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Right. There you go. First so place. when you moved out, to, let's talk about your homestead for a minute. When you moved out there, what, what was it like? What was the first thing you did? This, first, this is the way back machine. The first thing we did uh, besides move in uh, is we built a chicken coop. Oh, wow. Really? Okay. Yeah, I really wanted to have chickens. Um, it was August, so we were like, "Well, let's get chickens." Um, we In can't August, really start a garden this yeah. uh, uh, at that time of year. So we went and we uh, got chickens and started doing a lot of research. Mm-hmm. Uh, chickens are one of those things. It's yeah, gateway drug, but I really learned uh, really quickly that all these people that know chickens, there's like chicken experts. There's that are like these extreme chicken people <laughs> that they treat the chickens like they're pets. Yes. Which is true. fine. I'm, I'm yep. okay with that. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, but it's to a point where it's like these chickens, like there's like these vitamins that you, 
you give the chickens, that you do all these different things for the chickens. You bathe the chicken once a month and, uh, you know, you have to have this kind of uh, perch for them. And this is what chickens really like. And it got to a point where I'm just like, am I even ready to have chickens? Oh, my gosh. Sounds like harder to raise a child or harder than raising a child. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, (laughs) and. I kind of go go back to the same thing. Uh, the best advice I ever got by someone was just remember they used to do this shit in caves. <laughs> uh, I love that. That's a definite quote. Absolutely. <laughs> so you think, well, there's some guy in a hut that was raising chickens and those chickens obviously survived because they're not, they're still here. Right. Um, and same thing when it comes to uh, raising kids, right? You know, we did that shit in caves, you know, um, <laughs> we're okay. We're, it's going to be okay. Uh, I so I think I had about a dozen chickens, uh, started a garden uh, after a couple of years uh, here. Um, I got into, I did a farmer's market for a couple of years mm. with my wife. And then we, uh, decided that that wasn't economically beneficial anymore um because i i really like to do a lot of canning oh yeah jellies jams pickles mm-hmm. um relishes and we were so we're doing good at the farmer's market we don't weren't doing great um it, you know when you're making five bucks an hour that it just doesn't seem like that's where i want to spend my time right so we uh, we stopped doing that, but uh, you know other opportunities have arose. Yeah, it's just uh, keep. Le- I kept listening to podcasts, kept uh, le- uh, reading uh, reading stuff, doing more stuff on um, social media. Uh, between social media, podcasts, and then YouTube videos, all of a sudden, I realized that I knew more than a lot of other people, hmm. um, and just kind of getting experience, you know, getting my, my feet wet, uh, doing stuff. So, uh, our, uh, our homestead, well, we have a little bit of a social media presence. It's called a modern frontier. And we do have a website, uh, that is also going to be our, uh, website for the meat business, uh, that's slowly, uh, being turned over. Um, we also have, I've been real active. I was active on Facebook a little bit and Instagram uh, somewhat, but I really was active on uh, TikTok. Mm-hmm. I found that that was something I really enjoyed doing, those short little videos and giving people information, having fun doing it and getting the kind of the homesteading bug out to other people, trying to infect everyone into it. Hmm. Definitely want to come back to the meat business for sure. We've got a whole segment to talk about that. Um, since you brought up TikTok, let's go there. I mean, uh, social media, the social medias and the TikTok thing. Um, as a content creator, you're always looking for ways to spread the message, right? And you can get yourself underwater real fast, so to speak, where you've got 15 different platforms. You're trying to do something at all of them, but you're like flailing. It's like being thrown into a lake and you're doing the doggy paddle and it's pulling you down, right? Because there's just too many platforms. I know you're on Instagram because I've seen your stuff there. And I know you're on TikTok because you pull stuff into tick from TikTok into Instagram. So let's talk about 
TikTok versus Instagram a little bit and Facebook. I mean, we know Facebook is a monster and I hate it. I'm just going to be blunt. I mean, I hate TikTok. I hate Facebook. I hate it. I like Instagram. I know they're the same company, but it's a little different vibe, right? And people are more approachable and will actually comment and stuff. And, and you're getting a different audience than just Facebook where it's your family and friends. So um, well, let's talk about TikTok for a minute. So you like TikTok. Let's talk about that. I, I'm, I'm there. I lurk. I don't post anything there. You've You've told me that I should, but um, but why do you like it? What's going on there? Why why should I jump into that one versus build my YouTube brand? Well, the thing about TikTok that I found is a lot of people, it, it's quick. It's yeah. that crack. It's that quick, uh, quick, uh, quick crack. crack. <laughs> yeah, that, that social media crack, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so versatile, you know, you can do all sorts of different things and it's, people have such a short attention span. So instead of, and it's they're on the platform, it's constantly flipping, constantly changing. So you can sit there and depending on what you're liking and what you're commenting on, we'll give you more of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, there's, I have a couple uh, of videos had over a hundred thousand views on that's crazy on it, you know, and yeah, they're only uh, sixty second views. Yeah, but that's that's a view, you know. That's uh, where when you're on, uh, say YouTube, YouTube, you almost have to be a destination. Most people aren't flipping through to look at you. Well. This is, you know, maybe you'll catch their attention, maybe you won't. Uh, if you have something in, interesting to share with people and people like it, you know, you can, there's one, like I said, over 100,000 views on it. Uh, a couple other ones are, you know, anywhere from 50 to 30 to 20,000 views. And that's just on a, day, on a regular basis. Um, the more you post, the more likely you're, you are to get more views. Uh, the more that you get the same content, same mm. kind of content, like homesteading content, you go down that rabbit hole, you get, you keep putting more and more homesteading type videos up. You're eventually going to get more people looking at you in that realm. So you can kind of, it kind of brings all the people to you. And if you're interested enough and you can talk the good talk and give people good information, you're going to get the, get people coming back out. With or the, that. or the funny hit, right? The funny hit, the funny hit, the funny hit works also. Yeah. Uh, I Cause, guess cause I last time I looked, I mean, not to be, not to be rude the last time I looked, but you know, we're guys, so we're not going to yeah. get like the million views. We're just not going to, and we're not singers and we're not models. Well, I mean, we might think we are, and we were pretty cool guys, but you know, we're guys. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's kind of, it's kind of honestly kind of disgusting. Sometimes you sit there and you look, go, well, this here, she's has 30,000 uh, followers and she has seven videos. Like, <laughs> and, like I've been busting my butt for the last three, uh, well, two and a half years on, on the, this platform. And I have over 5,000 followers. Now that's partial. A lot of it's partially my fault. I, it takes a lot of work to make those little videos. Yep. yep. 
So I've been slacking off, especially lately. But like, how much work did it take to just dance around in a bikini? I, I don't <laughs> think it was that difficult. No, I think it was a lot of work. I, you know, I mean, I would have, I would sweat. I know that, but uh, well, you'd sweat just watching it. Well, <laughs> and getting in the bikini and be, getting in the bikini too. You know, I mean, oh, thank God. God. Yeah. When I, that I, happens, uh, make sure Jules is the only one else around. <laughs> she might not even want to watch that either. <laughs> <clears throat> This is a judgment-free zone, right? That's right. We are all about judgment-free. But yeah, that's the thing. Um, so there's a gentleman, uh, Brian, down in St. Louis. He's the garden voyeur. Maybe you've heard of him or not. He's on Instagram and he does TikTok. And he's been doing a really good job on Instagram. He's kind of comparing the two platforms. And he's got over 10,000 people on Instagram. He's got a pretty big following on TikTok. And just the the way the algorithm suppresses stuff on Instagram is ridiculous. You know, I mean, he's he should be just, you know, taken off like a rocket ship on Instagram. But I don't know if they've shadow banned him for something or what. But people don't see his um, updates. They don't see his videos. They don't see his going live. TikTok, it's like you're in, man. And it's it's like a rocket ship. And he does a lot of funny stuff, too. And uh, it's been it's been fun. I've seen him through Instagram. Um, cause I lurk only occasionally on TikTok, but that's what he's been saying as well is, you know, he can get a hundred thousand views on something and only like 2000 when he's got 10,000 followers on Instagram. I mean, it's like 10%, 8%. And that's what I've noticed with Facebook too, where I've got like a thousand people are following me on the small scale life Facebook group or, or 700, say 700. And only about 10, 8% are actually getting, getting the posts that I put up. It's, it's reaching like 8% of the audience, you know, and it's free. Sure. But if you're going to go through the work, you want people to see what you're doing. So it sounds like from a pure content creator perspective, that TikTok would be the better value or the return on investment, shall we say, you know, because you're going right. to reach a lot of people and see what you're doing or what you're talking about. and you know, if you make it funny or whatever, you're going to take off. So, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a good uh, platform as far as trying to get your information out there. There's a lot of people that. Uh, <clears throat> so I have a couple friends that are regenerative ranchers uh, on TikTok uh, and Michael with Revenant Wild uh, Ranch. He's down in Georgia. Okay, uh, He's he has a. I want to say he has a quarter of a million uh, followers on wow. TikTok. Wow. And, you know, I've talked with him uh, on the back channel and over the phone. Uh, he was helping me out with a couple of things. He had some really interesting things to kind of uh, say, like he would, if he had more butcher shop, uh, he had more slaughterhouses for him to get his product out, he'd, he'd sell it all, all, you know, and he's only selling local. So, wow. he, but you know, all you need is like 1% of a hundred thousand, oh, yeah. you know, to, you know, to buy from you. And that's a great marketing scheme right there. So he has a lot of people sitting there purchasing uh, meat or some people purchasing meat from him just because he's on TikTok and really? he's explaining regenerative agriculture, how he's doing it on TikTok and people feel they want to know their farmer 
Right. But they don't want to have to get to know their farmer. If you know what I mean. <laughs> so he can just ship it out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, another uh, another one uh, is my buddy Hobbs. You, you you should see if you can get Hobbs on uh, on your podcast sometime. Okay. Hobbs, uh, he's doing something similar now. He only has me, I think, 120, 130,000 guys with one of the smartest uh, intellectual farmers I've ever met. Hmm. I, I've ever had a chance to talk with. And that that's his goal, too. He's sitting there just selling. Uh, his uh, ranch is uh, Sisters Cattle Company. But he's going to be moving down to Texas here very shortly. Um, but... Very interesting uh, man, uh, very interesting aspect, and he he has a degree in political science and a degree in philosophy, what? and he's a rancher. He huh. uh, started his own regenerative ranch, and uh, he's just very interesting guy. That is interesting. Uh, wow. It's great for marketing, uh, a marketing tool, you know, because if you get 100000 all, and you get maybe one percent of all those people purchase something from you. That's that, especially when it comes to meat. That's a lot of meat. Yeah, totally. That's a yeah. lot of opportunity, and people want to know their farmer. And if you can be that guy on uh, on social media and make it fun to know the farmer, even better. Hmm. Well, and it's interesting too because um, believe it or not, even uh, corporations, public agencies, charities are starting to look at influencers, you know, people that have a good following in a local area, um, they will pay you to do videos or to produce content, you know, and reach your audience with that message. So um, a group that I work with, they actually hired an influencer. It was bigger grant project, but they hired an influencer in the Twin Cities area who's a dancer. And so somehow he's relaying the safety message while doing some dance. And he's got like half a million followers and a lot of them are in the Twin Cities area. So he's really pushing that message out and he's getting paid to do it. So, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. Once you get up to a certain level, people start to take notice. And I know corporations are doing this, too. Um, but to have for, for, and, and government agencies are doing this as well. So those safety messages or blips or whatever that you're getting and they're touting something, they're actually selling a product and they're paid to do it. So it, it, it is interesting, but you know, your, your friends are selling their own product, which um, makes a lot of sense. Marketing plan, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's a good, it's, I think it's a pretty good marketing plan. I had a couple people already uh, contact me about, uh, about purchasing meats uh, from me. So hmm. right yeah. off of TikTok, really from TikTok? Right off of TikTok. What? Yeah. Dang. Sounds like you need to make some more, um, I'd say sausage videos, but that sounds gross. But, you know, some more grilling meat or smoking meat or something. You know, that sounds good. You know what I'm saying? You need to make some more cooking uh, videos with your with your product, shall we say. So Right. And that, that's one of the things I like to do is I like to cook in ways that are like I like cowboy uh, cooking, um, historical cooking methods, uh, alternative cooking methods. I also really like uh, something that we both uh, share uh, our Czechoslovakian heritage. Right. Uh, and the all the recipes that are in our heritage and in our history and things I've learned from my great-grandparents and my grandparents and my mom. 
uh, all these great dishes. Like, I don't understand why some of these uh, Central to Eastern European dishes aren't like gourmet dishes that mm-hmm. are just out there. Uh, there's a lot of talent put in, into those uh, those meals. So um, I, I've been doing a lot of cool things like that, uh, though it seems that my comfort foods seem to be the one that everyone likes. For instance, I did one that was, I called it uh, grilled cheese tomato soup on the go. Okay. All it was is wonton wrapped uh, Colby Jack cheese, deep fried. And then I made a homemade tomato soup with all the sauce, with the sauce and onions that I grew here. Yeah. Uh, tomato sauce uh, here on the farm and uh, made a boat with the bone broth that I uh, rendered for my chickens and wow. made this uh, tomato sauce or tomato soup and put it in a cup. And here you go. This is on the go. And people <laughs> loved it. I like, think, you know, it sounds delicious, number one. But number two. Oh, it is. You know, I've got like maybe 10 recipes on small scale life and I just, it's fun. I love it. I mean, food is like one of the core pillars here at small scale life, whether it's gardening, having, building your community, it's all through food, right? Wellness, um, your health, all that is food. Uh, even finance, I mean, food is a big chunk of your uh, budget every month, right? But it's all about food really is. And, and um, where was I going with this? Anyway, you're this Jack's Burko smart. Here's why he's smart. He has expert counsel, right? So I have like 10 recipes on small scale life and I haven't done one for like three, four years. You're the guy for the recipes. <laughs> I should just send people your way. You know what I mean? I mean, that sounds delicious. And I know you've got other things that are stupid, simple. Here's how we do this. Cowboy candy, stupid, 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 simple cowboy candy was a really cool video that I watched that you guys made all that cowboy candy with jalapenos and good stuff. I mean, I learned something with that TikTok video. I thought that was really good. Yeah. Well, you know, cowboy candies are, you know, those sweets spicy jalapeno uh slices well it takes forever to sit there and cut up all those little jalapeno slices so what do you what we found is you do the same thing except you instead uh you you put them in a food processor grind them down into a a relish it may not look as cute as all these little jalapeno slices (laughs) But man, it just tastes so much better on a brat or on a, on a hot dog. We use it so much more often. You can still still do everything you would do otherwise, putting it on a piece of uh, uh, what is that cream cheese. Oh yeah, uh, you can dump it on cream cheese there. You can, uh, but you know, it, it just it makes a great topping. And then you also have the sauce next to it. And you have almost an equal amount of sauce. I reduce that by half. And then I make that into a, a like a glaze for uh, for chicken wings. If you're into that. Ooh. Oh, if you're into or, that. Yeah, I'm not or, into that. Or, or, or like pork, uh, pork tenderloin. Oh, you glaze <laughs> pork tenderloin with it. Oh, you're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me. So, yeah. Are you hungry yet? Oh, man. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm in a hotel room, you bugger. So, um, yeah, I am actually. But, um, oh, where do we want to go from here? So we could go down the heritage route, but we might save that for later. And I really do want to talk about your business because because it is, again, food-related business, regenerative agriculture-related business. Um, you know, it sounds like, like you said, farmer's market just wasn't paying off like you needed it to, right? 
we've, we've, Julie and I have talked about farmers markets selling cut flowers or jams or all that kind of stuff. And, you know, $5 a jam uh, versus, um, you know, $25 for chops or, or, you know, hamburger or a bunch of hamburger or something. I mean, where's your return of investment? It's back to time and return on investment, right? So let's talk about, let's talk about um, your business because I really want to dive into that. So you had some cattle and you thought, hey, this is working out. Let's try to sell this. I mean, how did, how did that all happen? How did that un unpack that for us? Take us on your journey, my friend. So uh, once I had cattle here at my, uh, at my house, now I only have eight acres, so I don't have a lot of acreage to do a lot of animals. So my goal was to do just a couple animals, but do a really premium, uh, as good of a job as I can, use it more or less as an experiment, and basically just do it for friends, friends and family. Just keep it real small. Right. Um, th that gave me an opportunity to learn over a couple of years how to really raise the animals, how to, how, how to be a perfectionist at raising them and what all goes into the, uh, into making the best quality beef you can possibly have. Well, then I talked with, I was talking with some Amish uh, people that I, there's a, uh, I have a, my in-laws have a cabin in the Watoma area. So I'm, up there uh, talking with some Amish friends of mine that own a really nice little Amish, uh, it's an Amish greenhouse slash uh, vegetable stand. And we're talking and then the one lady goes, hey, Adam, you, uh, you, you've you uh, raised chickens before, right? And I go, yeah, I've raised chickens. And he goes, well, my my son, Christy, he's going to be raising chickens. And so while uh, Christy's a talker also, and two hours <laughs> later, uh, we became friends and he, he brings up, well, we're starting this co-op and we, you know, maybe you'd be interested in selling uh, uh, for us. And I'm like, no, no, that's okay. I've got too many things going on the way it is, and which I do. Um, so anyways, he uh, kind of time went on and they kept harassing me for almost a year to because they had several people willing to sell for them. Sure. There's only two of us that they knew, knew what we're doing, like yeah. what they were doing. Yep. And I actually understand how they're raising them, why they're raising them. And I can communicate that. Sure. Um, and so they kept harassing me to do this for them. And I'm like, okay, fine. Looked at the numbers the numbers made sense. And so, yeah, it's like, well, let's, uh, let's do this, but if we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. Um, I am, uh, a, a part owner of the, the livestock so that it is my livestock just oh. as much as it's their livestock. And I felt that that was an important thing to, for us to do also. No, I think that's, I think that's great. Cause you know, it gives you that I don't want to say, well, the ownership for sure. Right. Your, right. your buy-in definitely monetary and philosophically. And I think they're um, what we were talking about before is they are doing regenerative ag on their farms or what they're, how they're raising this is they're trying to be true to the soil, true to the animals, all that good stuff too. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, they're building soil and 
they're keeping track, uh, keeping records of how much every year the soil grows. And some of these these uh, places, uh, they're pretty rundown uh, uh, pieces of land when it comes to agriculture. So they're building up the lands and it shows. Mm. Uh, you can definitely see year to year improvements on the land. And uh, even with it being such a dry year in, uh, uh, in, in Southern Wisconsin here this last year, it was, you know, they really came across and were able to do, do a lot of cool things. And um, they're getting better and better every year. Uh, I get a call probably once a week from uh, at least one of them, if not several of them, questioning, well, can you look up this information for me? Can you look up that information? I'll look up some information. I'll uh, either get back to them uh, verbally and say, yeah, it's not worth your time. Or hey, yeah, let's go go down this rabbit hole. Uh, send them some information and go and keep on moving uh, with it. Uh, right now, we're doing some stuff with. Uh, you ever hear of IPPs? No. Uh, they are Idaho pasture pigs. Oh. We are looking at uh, seeing if that's going to be something for us to uh, to add in the Idaho pasture pigs, or if we want to replace the pigs we already have hmm. with Idaho pasture pigs. Interesting. Uh, right now we're using a Berkshire Yorkshire cross. And let me tell you, it's some premium, premium pork because they're nice. out there. On, they're out there in the woods. Like right now they're, uh, the the pig well the pigs are still alive the other ones are sorry <laughs> in the freezer uh, <laughs> but uh they're they're out there eating all the the black walnuts the yep. acorns the yep. hickory nuts and that's you are what you eat and yep. that flavor goes directly into mm. that pork and it makes a premium product sure especially with berkshire if you've never had berkshire before you're missing out it's uh it's not like the regular pork you get get over at the grocery store sure not soy soy based product or you know silage or something like that it's the real right. deal out there in the woods like feral pig once upon a time well these pigs they don't smell you know, it's amazing. Like you go up to a really? like, pig, they reek. Oh my God. A pig farm is there. horrible. Yeah. It's Iowa, yeah. right? <laughs> right. Right. You know, um, we're not going to Iowa folks, Iowa jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, folks. Uh, I, mean, I did hail from Minnesota, Wisconsin. It's, it's natural. Right. So yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> you like went through all of them except for Iowa. <laughs> Illinois, Wisconsin, uh, yeah. Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways, the pigs, when they're out on pasture, when they're out in the woods, they, well, they crap all over the place, oh, but yeah. it goes back into the ground. Yep. It's able to be absorbed. It's able to be dried out. It doesn't have the stench mm -hmm. um, that is associated with, with pig farms, which these people wouldn't want them next to their their house either because their their houses are right there where yeah. they're growing these animals. Right, right. Um, I I have a couple of videos on my uh, on my TikTok about uh, that. You know, you're you're looking at these beautiful animals and they're just out there, mm -hmm. not covered in mud. Right, they're being the pigginess of a pig to, uh, <laughs> to quote uh, uh, Salatin. You know, yeah, yeah. And and these this cooperative that's up Adams County Marquette County up that way right? 
Yeah. Okay. Yep, right so, down the road from uh, where uh, we found out that we have a connection uh, deeper than uh, just a couple of yahoos on Facebook. Right. Now your meat business. So are you selling, you're selling beef. We know that. Chicken? Are you, did you end up selling Christie's chicken too, or, or Chris's chicken or? Uh, yeah, we are. We, we sell chicken, okay. uh, beef and pork. Okay. Uh, so pastured uh, chicken, pastured uh, uh, pork and uh grass-fed uh fully grass-fed beef its entire uh, its entire life and it's not like a lot of the other grass-fed beef because we go to extremes uh to keep so any animal now any animal that you raise has to be grown to a point of it you never want it to go hungry yeah once it goes hungry it it leaves a little bit of a flavor in the meats mm. and if you want it to always be growing getting fatter getting fatter slowly because then it gets more marbled in into the the meats um so chickens obviously that's six to eight weeks uh from a from a hatched egg to on your plate so that's that's pretty easy to keep keep that one going now a, a pig that's uh Anywhere from uh, seven to nine months. Sure, that's pretty easy to keep that that uh, going. It's when you have to bring them through the winter. You need to keep all those calories up there. Sure, and uh, so we've we do high a very high quality forage and a high quality hay um, that will allow them to the the cattle to continue uh growing even through the cold cold winter where all the calories are being burnt up hmm. so uh but we do have uh right now we have a bunch of eighth of a box of uh beef available so we're selling mostly by the eighth eighths right now which is a nice affordable size uh it fits it's about 35 pounds that'll fit in your freezer at yeah. your real nice and easy um, we're going to be doing some quarter, uh, pigs, um, also and selling those here, uh, very shortly. We're getting, uh, prices, uh, together with that. Things are slowly coming along and then we're going to be doing some poultry boxes also. Um, now my Amish, uh, counterparts are figuring all those numbers out and, uh, what they have available and they know what how much and the availability is a little bit more than I do. Uh, they just call me up. They say, Hey, Adam, we, uh, this is what we have in our freezer. Go ahead and sell it. So, hmm. uh, we're, uh, we're slowly moving along, but, uh, when you're working with the Amish, it's like hurting cats, uh, <laughs> hurting wild cats. I should yeah. say yeah. It, it goes really slow, but uh, I think in the long run, uh, the, the quality is there in the long run. I think it's going to be, be a real good uh real good business hopefully well they do say slow and steady wins the race my friend so that's there might be oh, method yeah. to the madness you know what i mean absolutely and good things come to those who wait oh i mean <laughs> so um so you have product um yep how do you target your market i mean obviously tiktok we talked about that tiktok is a potential avenue for selling product what other what are other avenues and you know not to give any trade secrets away but how do you get the message out there just beyond family and friends it's like it's like the old days of uh mary Kay. hey do you want to have a 
Mary Kay party, hey, buy my product, you know? So how do you do that? How, how does one go about that? Well, lately what I've been doing uh, to start off with is well, obviously family and friends and getting people to really like the product, let them speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's slow and steady, you know? Um, word of mouth is always going to be your best, no matter what, your best uh, form of advertisement. It's it's free. Heck, actually, it it pays me, right? Um, uh, and as long as we haven't had the product to sell, you know, I can keep pushing that. Uh, I've been throwing up flyers at different places. Uh, you know, I've been allowed to put the flyers up at a couple different bars, um, but I've been keeping it small because we're not quite ready to ramp up. Right, uh, huge. We 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 have more than enough product to take care of what we can take care of, and trying to get everyone on the same page at the same time, like herding cats. We are setting ourselves up for the spring to really have a lot of a uh, lot of good things come down the line. Nice, uh, be able to really sell and accelerate come springtime. Um, so. I mean, I'll be excited to, you know, maybe get a couple uh ribeye steaks up there by you, Tom. And, uh, <laughs> I guess I can I be bribed. It. Yes, I'm a cheap bugger. No, <laughs> those are delicious. Um, so that's that sounds all good. Do you have like do you go with a meat raffle and say, hey, here's a couple things for your meat raffle or anything like that? I mean, meat I haven't I haven't yet, but okay. uh, that has been on my plate. You know, okay. I'm kind of thinking, oh, you know, I could maybe get a couple different people out there. So, uh, so for those not familiar with the meat raffle, bars will have meat raffles, and if you win the raffle, you get like a box, uh, like ten pork chops or something, or here's a slice, a bunch of bacon, or here's a box of stuff, you know, and that you're paying money to help a charity or raise money for the establishment or whatever. But uh, that's just what that's all about. In case you don't know, because that's a thing that happens up north, right, up in Minnesota, Minnesota and Wisconsin, their guy, you know, their guy. <laughs> I think that's the best way to raise money is, you know, you can throw in a uh, five bucks and uh, you can possibly win 20 pounds of bacon. I mean, it's a win-win. It's a win-win. Yes. Bacon is always a (laughs) win-win. So, okay. So that's good stuff. Now, just talking about the, thinking about the beef and pork packages, you're not doing like sausage or hamburger or anything like that when it's processed, or is it just chops and, and, and steaks and that kind of thing or, or pork loins and pork chops and, you know, that kind of thing. Or do you have sausages and that kind of, those kind of products as well? So, yeah, we'll have uh, sausages uh, and a hamburger. Uh, right now, our eighth beef box is, uh, so you get two ribeyes, two team or two uh, New York strips, a large uh, tenderloin uh, steak, then you get a sirloin steak, a round steak, a sirloin roast, I believe it is, and then a chuck roast. Hmm. Plus, you get 10 pounds of hamburger, and you get eight pounds of uh, hamburger patties. Nice. Uh, and then you get six pounds of all beef wieners or hot dogs. So, uh, that's uh when it comes all together it's uh it's right around th- uh just 
right around 30 pounds, 35 pounds. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's all, you know, where it all came from, right. You know, you know that it was, uh, one of my farms that's what everything was raised, right. And they're very strict. I'm very strict with them. They're very strict with me. And we keep the, uh, keep being strict with that, with everything. I've, I've had to turn down some really good opportunities that I think would have probably been really good situation, but it would have uh, impeded on our morals. I had someone that had some cheap grass fed beef and it was Mm -hmm. really good beef that he's like, well, you could buy these hundred head right now. And I had an investor and everything ready to go for it. I'm just like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to, that's not, although it's grass fed beef, it wasn't done the way we do it. Okay. It wasn't regeneratively grown, grown beef. And that's what I'm pushing. I'm trying to do as best I can for the environment, best I can for the animals. And I just didn't feel like that was going to help us in the long run. So I had to turn down that opportunity that probably would have given us a, a good possibility of being able to quit my job and do what I really love to do, but asking <laughs> what I love to do, not just sacrificing something so that I could, you know, get some cheap beef and lie to people. Right. Right. Well, you know, that's important. I mean, integrity is important, right? Cattle die, men die, but your reputation lives on, you know, and uh, it's, it's an important thing. How are you known? How do people know you? And a person in integrity, that's going to come through. Right. And you, You'd feel kind of crappy about it, right? Hey, Odin's a smart man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the have them all. I'm glad you recognize that, my friend. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. So um, chicken, pork, and beef. Good stuff. So if I, Tom, Tommy P, Tommy Cakes from the public world, if I'm really listening to this podcast and I get super excited because I'm going to have family over, can I get some of those products from you? Absolutely. Mm. Uh, How would I do that? Well, best uh, way right now is email me at a modernfrontier.com. Um, uh, you can uh, hopefully soon here, uh, we'll have everything up and running. Um, we've been in beta testing right now on the website, a modern frontier. Otherwise, uh, yeah, you know, just uh, email me. I'm more than willing to uh, do whatever I can to help you out and uh, get you the product. Uh, we'll have it uh, shipped straight to you, frozen, next day delivery. And so far, it's been working out pretty well. Uh, we've, uh, unless you're real close in, in one of the areas, that's probably going to be our best uh, Our best bet is to get you the meat that way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So wrap up. But yeah, uh, I just uh, want to remind you, go to abodernfrontier.com. You know, take a look at the meat boxes get, currently get for sale. Outs. Give and me use a, code a, SMALL, S-M-A-L-L, and, uh, we'll, we'll all in caps, of. and you'll cool. get $25 off any beef, pork, or chicken box. Okay, use SMALL, and get $25 off. And again, you can reach out to Adam at, at modernfrontier at gmail.com or through the website uh, modernfrontier.com. So with that, we're going to wrap up this podcast episode. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, we'll catch you next week. I've got more from Adam Rick, and uh, you'll find out more about my background, too. So in closing, from the north to the south, from the east to the west and everywhere in between, 
May the gods, spirits, and folk be blessed at this place. May we heal the land and protect the soil, animals, and plants. May we live in strength and love, leading the way as we learn, do, grow, and be a little better every day. This is Tom from the Small Scale Life Podcast. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you real soon, and take care, everybody. Be careful in these snowstorms. See you real soon. Bye. This has been a production of Small Scale Life Media. Hey everybody, this is Alex Jones. Glad that you listened to the Small Scale Life Podcast. Now, if you really want to hear me go, I get really excited. I mean, I'm having all these probiotics, these little blue pills, and uh, I get so excited. And, and I was on uh, Fireside Freedom. I showed up there yesterday, episode two of Fireside Freedom. Uh, and I was just talking about prepping because prepping is uh, the way we beat the globalists and the, the whole world, new world order. So make sure you check out uh, Fireside Freedom, uh, that podcast, and uh, you'll hear me come up every once in a while. So this is Alex Jones. The whole world is a prison planet. And uh, go to Fireside Freedom and listen to episode two. All right, time to go. I kind of go go back to the same thing. Uh, the best advice I ever got by someone was, just remember, they used to do this shit in caves. We're okay. We're, it's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs>